to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Ping Tang Lin, the podcast host for this episode. In today's episode, I have Gavin Benjamin, FCIA, here to talk about his recent member paper. The paper explores the considerations that one may have when selecting the going concern discount rate for pension plans, especially for plans with a large proportion of their holdings supported by bonds. Gavin, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm very pleased to join you. Great. Um, so why don't we start off by sharing a little bit about yourself? What's your background and what do you do professionally? So I'm a pension consulting actuary and have been in this field since graduating with a BMAT in actuarial science from the University of Waterloo in 1990. So I've been doing this line of work for over 30 years. I'm currently a partner in LifeWorks Retirement and Financial Solutions Practice based in Toronto. Over my career, I've been quite involved in the actual profession, including in the past acting as chair of the CIA Committee on Pension Plan Financial Reporting and my current role as chair of the CIA Accounting Discount Rate Committee for Pension Plans. Oh, so you're very much involved in the selection of the discount rates then in your line of work? Is that what inspired you to take on this research and go about writing a paper on this topic? Well, what inspired me to write this paper is that because of changes to pension funding rules over the past few years in many Canadian jurisdictions, minimum funding requirements for more or many pension plans in the private sector are being driven by going concern valuations versus solvency valuations. Now, a going concern valuation is premised on the pension plan continuing indefinitely, and the going concern discount rate is usually based on the actuary's best estimate of the long-term rate of return on the assets of the pension plan. Given the long-term nature of a pension plan's obligations, the discount rate is the most material assumption in the going concern valuation. Many pension plans in the private sector have been de-risking by increasing the allocation of plan assets to bonds. In some cases, fixed income investments, such as bonds, represent 70, 80, or even 90% or more of a pension plan's assets. For these plans, when the actuary is selecting the going concern discount rate, the actuary's best estimate of the long-term rate of return on the plan's bond portfolio becomes more important because of the high allocation of this asset class in the pension plan. This has resulted in a focus on, and frankly, a debate among some pension actuaries as to how to estimate the long-term rate of return on a pension plan's bond portfolio for purposes of selecting the going concern discount rate assumption. One of the key questions that is being debated is whether to base the estimate of the long-term rate of return on a pension plan's bond portfolio on the internal rate of return, or IRR, of the bond portfolio alone. One can think of the IRR as the average yield embedded in the value of a bond portfolio at a given time. Or, on the other hand, whether the estimated long-term rate of return on a pension plan's bond portfolio should reflect both the IRR of the bond portfolio and, in addition, the effect of reinvesting the cash flows from the bond portfolio and possible future changes in interest rates. I couldn't find much that had already been written on this topic, so I thought I would write this paper to convey my thinking and hopefully foster further thinking, analysis, and debate in this area. Right. And could you just elaborate a little bit more about the changes in the legislation? Like, is this something that happened recently that caused this going concern to be more relevant than a solvency perspective? 
Yeah, I'd say the changes have largely occurred over the past five years or so. And really, the changes were driven by private sector pension plans prior to the changes. Funding for a lot or most pension plans in the private sector was driven by the solvency valuation. And the solvency valuation is really premised on the pension plan winding up on the valuation date and having to settle all obligations of the plan as of the valuation date. And so funding solvency valuations were causing cash flow issues for many pension plan sponsors as interest rates declined over the past 20 years or so and was causing basically some pension plans to become sort of unsustainable if the funding requirements were continued to be driven by solvency valuations. And so that led to changes that have occurred that basically either eliminate solvency funding or only require solvency funding to a threshold less than 100% of the liability, say 85%, along with making the going concern funding requirements more stringent. But this change has led to more of a focus on the going concern valuation in a number of jurisdictions for determining the minimum funding requirements for pension plans. Interesting. And then I guess for some of the practitioners that are listening from other practice fields, could you describe some of the main types of investment strategies that are used in the pension industry? Because I'm sure that depending on the strategy, it would also affect how the actuary would go about selecting or setting the discount rate. So to start, I'll you know to want to make sure I was disclosing that I'm not an investment expert. However, from my experience over the years, pension plans traditionally, kind of looking back in time, invested in the combination of equities and bonds. So looking back a couple of decades ago, a typical asset mix for defined benefit or DB pension plan would be 60% equities and 40% bonds. Now, the objective of investing in return-seeking assets such as equities is typically to achieve high investment returns in order to lower the cost of providing providing the pension benefits promised by the plan. Also, if the pension plan is in a deficit position, a plan sponsor may hope that higher returns achieved by return-seeking assets, such as equities, will bridge the gap and reduce or eliminate the plan's deficit. However, these types of assets are more risky for pension plans. The purpose of investing, on the other hand, in fixed income instruments, such as bonds, is typically to diversify the plan's investments, but more importantly, to act as a hedge against the pension plan's liabilities. This is because pension plan liabilities behave very similar to long-term bonds when interest rates change. And so by investing a portion of the plan assets in bonds, this portion of the assets will tend to move in the same direction as the plan liabilities when interest rates change. In terms of trends we have seen over the past couple of decades with respect to pension investment strategies, there has been an overall trend towards reducing pension investment risk, particularly in the private sector. And then in terms of more recent developments, what has become more common over the past, I'd say, 10 to 15 years is for plan sponsors to also allocate a portion of plan assets to alternative investments, such as real estate and infrastructure. These asset classes provide additional diversification and also provide the potential for generating additional returns. In the past, alternative investments may have been only been practical for very large pension plans, but this has changed and some of these investments are now available to smaller plans. And then lastly, what has also become more prevalent over the past, I'd say, seven to eight years or so, is for pension plan sponsors to de-risk by purchasing a group annuity for a subset of the plan's population, and the group annuity is actually held as an asset of the pension plan, and this is referred to as a buy-in annuity. And so based on the strategies you just described, how does that affect how an actuary goes about selecting the appropriate discount rate assumption and what some of the challenges that they 
could come about facing when selecting the appropriate discount rate? Well, as mentioned earlier, the going concern discount rate assumption is based on the actuary's best estimate of the long-term expected return on plan assets. So what the actuary has to do when setting the going concern discount rate assumption is looking at each type of asset class that the plan is invested in and estimating the expected rate of return for each of those asset classes. If we kind of focus on my paper, the paper focuses on a challenge faced by the actuary for a pension plan that has a high investment allocation to bonds that was originally established for purposes of hedging the plan's solvency liabilities. And as mentioned earlier, the solvency liabilities of a pension plan are the actuary's estimate of the cost of settling the members' accrued benefits in the plan if the plan had wound up on the valuation date. While at the time the investment strategy was established for a plan like this, it was likely the solvency valuation that was driving the minimum funding requirements for the plan. Due to the funding reform in many provinces that we discussed earlier, in a lot of cases, it's now the going concern valuation that is driving minimum funding requirements. And in this type of situation, the challenge for the actuary is that the manner in which he or she selects the going concern discount rate assumption will affect how good the hedge is between the plan assets and going concern liabilities. In other words, it will affect to what extent the assets and the going concern liabilities of the plan will move together as interest rates change over time. Right, so a little bit of asset liability management there, right? Precisely. Right. So during the course of writing this member paper, was there anything that you learned which quite surprised you and that you would want the reader to look out for? Yes, thinking about it, one thing that I realized is that even though I've been practicing as a pension actuary for over 30 years and therefore have been selecting going concern discount rate assumptions for a long period of time, what I realized is how little thought I've given when selecting the discount rate assumption as to how the investment policy for a pension plan is likely to evolve as the characteristics of the plan liabilities evolve over time. Now, this is unless the investment strategy for the plan clearly specifies how the asset mix will be changed over time time as, say, the funded position of the plan improves, which is referred to as an investment glide path. When a clear or prescriptive investment glide path is in place, actual standards of practice require the actuary to reflect expected future asset mix changes documented in the glide path when selecting the going concern discount rate assumption. However, in the absence of a glide path, in my experience, actuaries do not consider how the investment policy is likely to evolve over time when selecting the going concern discount rate assumption. And, and to be clear, I don't think that actual standards of practice should require the expected evolution of a plan's investment policy to be reflected in all cases when selecting the discount rate. But thinking this through and discussing it with the individual or individuals who are responsible for the pension plan's investment strategy would be beneficial to all parties. And as discussed in the paper, in my view, it may be appropriate in some situations to reflect the expected evolution of the plan's investment policy when selecting the discount rate assumption. So could you go into a little more detail about why you think we shouldn't reflect investment allocation or future investment allocations in all instances? Well, in my view, to be clear, it is, you know, it is just my opinion. Although the actuary can look ahead and get a sense of how the plan liabilities and the characteristics of the plan liabilities may evolve over time, it's not a certainty. That kind of assessment would be based on a set of assumptions made by the actuary. And the other aspect is the actuary is unsure over time how the plan sponsor's 
risk appetite, for example, may change and how it's the plan sponsor's objectives with the pension plan, with respect to the pension plan, may change over time. So given all the unknowns, in my view, it shouldn't be mandated that the actuary reflect how the asset mix policy may change over time. In my view, actual standards of practice should be flexible in that regard. So that's a nice segue, actually, to the next question, actually. Rising rates. Rising rates are in the public discourse today. I think I read somewhere like they're expecting, I think, three to five rate hikes over the next year. So how much consideration do you think the actuary should put into current events when they set a long-term discount rate, like for pension plans? So a few thoughts come to mind in that regard. The first thing that comes to mind is it's really longer-term interest rates, which have a significant effect on pension plan obligations. So one must always be careful about reading too much into potential increases in short-term interest rates when thinking about the finances of a pension plan. As well, as mentioned earlier, the focus of this paper is under what conditions the estimated long-term rate of return on a pension plan's bond portfolio should take into account the effect of reinvesting the cash flows from the bond portfolio and possible future changes in interest rates. If the actuary is not taking the effect of reinvestment and future interest rate changes into account, then this is not something the actuary needs to concern themselves with, at least as it applies to the expected rate of investment return on the plan's bond portfolio. On the other hand, if the actuary is taking the effect of reinvestment and future interest rate changes into account, then my view, the actuary should consider current events when selecting the going concern discount rate. However, as is the case with all going concern valuation assumptions, the discount rate assumption is a long-term assumption. So it's important that the actuary should not place too much weight on the short versus the long-term in terms of what might occur over time. And then another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of pension actuaries use the assumptions underlying their firm's economic scenario generator when selecting the going concern valuation assumptions, including the discount rate assumption. Given the low interest rate environment we're currently in, in my experience, the assumptions underlying economic scenario generators often anticipate that in the future, interest rates are expected to increase. So one could argue that the increase in interest rates we've seen so far in 2021, and to the extent that additional increases occur in the future, consistent with some of the public discourse that's occurring at this time, one could argue that all this is already built into the model, the models that actuaries have been and continuing to use when selecting the going concern discount rate assumption. That's very insightful. So if someone wants to learn more, the first place they should go to, of course, is your paper. But if there's any other resources out there that they would want to dig into, what would you recommend? A couple of things come to mind. You know, because the paper deals with selecting assumptions, it's, of course, important to be familiar with what our actual standards of practice say on the subject. And then second, the paper also refers to an educational note published by the CIA, which provides guidance on selecting the going concern discount rate assumption. And, and this educational note is very, very relevant to this topic. Excellent. So, Gavin, do you have any final closing remarks that you would like to leave for our listeners? Sure. A few things come to mind. First, given the increased importance of going concern valuations to the funding of Canadian pension plans, the assumptions that actually select for going concern valuations are likely to come under increased scrutiny. This is particularly the case in a low interest rate environment, as this type of environment tends to put downward pressure on discount rates, which puts upward pressure on pension liabilities. If this prediction turns out to be true, it will become even more important for pension actuaries to be thoughtful about the assumptions they select and to be able to justify their assumptions if challenged. 
My hope is that this paper contributes towards the need for additional thought related to assumption setting, as the paper focuses on and drills down into one aspect of a key going concern assumption, which of course is the discount rate assumption. Second, although the paper is written from the perspective of a pension actuary selecting valuation assumptions, I think the paper is also relevant for individuals who determine the investment strategy and policy for pension plans. I say this because the strategy employed with respect to a pension plan's bond portfolio, for example, whether or not the strategy is buy and hold, may very well affect the investment return on the portfolio and therefore the overall investment return for the plan. Also, the strategy may affect how the plan actually selects the going concern discount rate assumption for the plan, which could affect the amount and volatility of the funding requirements for the plan over time. And third, the paper deals with a technical subject, so it includes a fair number of formulas. However, I try to write the paper in a way that is readable and meaningful for someone who chooses to gloss over the formulas. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast, please do not let the formulas be a barrier to reading the paper. And then lastly, this paper is by no means the last word on this topic. Estimating the long-term expected rate of investment return on the pension plan's assets is a complex undertaking, and there are lots of moving parts. I hope that readers of the paper will find the contents informative, and as mentioned earlier, it'd be great if if the paper leads to further thinking, research, and debate in this area. Well, great. So it was a pleasure to have you, Gavin. Thanks again for taking the time to share your insights with us today. Yeah, I enjoyed this discussion. Absolutely. For our listeners, look out for Gavin's paper on the CIA website. We now have several dozen episodes of the CIA's Seeing Beyond Risk podcast. I encourage you to check out Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to binge on past episodes. More importantly, please subscribe to be notified when a new episode is released. We would like to hear from you as well. Feel free to leave a rating, comment, or send any suggestions or episode ideas to podcasts at cia-ica.ca as well. We're always looking for content on our Seeing Beyond Risk blog. So if you have ideas to share, send it over to seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. This is Ping Tang Lin, your host for this episode, and thank you for tuning in to the Seeing Beyond Risk podcast.